The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. We are talking about the throne speech. We are going over what we heard today. We are examining it. We are looking at uh, some of the numbers, if you can figure out some of the numbers, and what it means for you, what it means for the country, what it means for the economy, what's it going to mean for the taxpayer. I get that you and the taxpayer are the same thing. But here, let me tell you something. Earlier today, Michael Campbell, the host of Money Talks on the Chorus Radio Network, said something that uh, that uh, really jumped out and grabbed me. He said, "Is he says the only one big question to be answered in the throne speech, and that's this: is the economic recovery a priority, or are we getting buzzwords and lip services while other agendas are pursued?" Michael Campbell joins us this afternoon. Welcome back to the show. Hello. Hey, Michael. Hey, Michael. Are you there? Hi. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> we always have troubles that first little bit. So, yeah, you said earlier today, the one big question to be answered in the throne mm-hmm. speech is, is the economic recovery a priority or are we getting buzzwords and lip service while other agendas are being pursued? What did you, what's your answer? Uh, well, first of all, it is a throne speech. So, I mean, there's so many details missing, and that's not a surprise. I don't mean that as no. a criticism. Every throne speech is the same way, but it leaves so many questions unanswered here. Yeah, I, I, one of the things that uh, the Liberals did is they started to float this idea of a green recovery going back, you know, mm-hmm. go back two months and a month. You know, well, cer- certainly once Christia Freeland replaced Bill Morneau. But they're the most polled government in history. They spend more money on polling what Canadians think than any government in history. And I think they're very driven by the polls. And so, for example, we had a global poll yesterday that telling us that, you know, other than worried about uh, health measures to fight the pandemic, uh, number one is Canadians want to get back to work. Number two, reduce the deficit. Number three, uh, you know, reduce taxes, you know, that kind of stuff. So, and that, so that was reflected in the polling they would have done in advance also. They would have seen the same thing. And I think that's why you saw agendas like the green energy sort of played down a little bit. Yes, of course it was mentioned. It says it's a cornerstone of the recovery plan, but no details whatsoever mm-hmm. on what that even means. You know, I mean, that, that can mean a whole bunch of stuff. So there's still those kind of words that are clouding what they're doing. I, I think uh, and I, the other thing I would that jumped out at me is there's a bigger emphasis and I think it's, it's appropriate to certainly be helping people through the pandemic. I, I said that, by the way, in March, well before the government did. I mean, that's a standard kind of you know, talk to anybody who does economic analysis, and they realize if you're telling people to stay home from work, then you've got to help them out financially. Uh, and clearly there's some industries that have not recovered. So the, this throne speech certainly addressed that by saying things like, uh, you know, some of the the help we've been given serve ends at the end of this month, but now it's, now we're going to find extensions to that. We're going to get the 75% wage benefit, uh, you know, in order to stop firms or encourage them not to lay off their workers. That's going to be extended. But much more of that kind of thing, uh, still with many, many questions, than there was on what are they going to do for the energy industry? Well, mm-hmm. I didn't hear anything. What are they, and, and by the way, the energy industry, we're not going to have a recovery without it. And I know that the government certainly doesn't control things like uh, the price of energy. That's, you know, that's out of their control. But there are other things to do. And there's been virtually no support for that industry. And yet it still represents, you know, before the pandemic, something like 8 9% of our GDP, you know, and hundreds of thousands of workers. So I don't see how we get any kind of a robust recovery uh, without it. 
So I, I still want to hear something addressed there, but they've been avoiding that uh, probably for political reasons. Uh, you know, we did get acknowledgement that there's a problem in travel and hospitality. Again, uh-huh. with no specifics, uh-huh. I'm not sure what to make of that. It's easy to talk. And again, I'm not blaming them. It's a throne speech, but still, we've had months and months to be uh, having more specific programs for those industries, and we didn't hear anything in it. So a little bit more addressing individuals' needs. If I'm one of the 1.1 million people who are still out of work, and, and I'm talking about those out of work because of the decision to lock down the, uh, the economy to stop the spread of COVID-19. If I'm one of those, I mean, one of the headlines is going to be the government says it's going to create a million jobs. Well, yep. it's a bit fuzzy. What it's really doing is saying <laughs> we're going to try and prevent layoffs and include in that uh, million, dollar, uh, million job number, by the way. You know, <laughs> so, you know we'll see how that goes. Uh, there's just so much to talk about within the document, but I have uh, more questions probably than when I started. When you when you heard uh, the comment, now is not a time for austerity, what did you think? I thought immediately it's also not the time to waste money. And that mm-hmm. is something that if you read any Auditor General's report, anyone who's concerned about how our tax dollars are being spent would be rolling their eyes. It's not a time to not be focused on specifically on activities that, one, would increase productivity. I hate the word infrastructure because every politician must have uh, been fed that word when they were a child. And it's, it's really meaningless nowadays because we have a, this is a supply shock right now. Infrastructure is sort of the kind of thing you do in a demand shock. And I don't want to get too complicated, but... You know, let's put it this way. Come on, do you think the laid-off hotel worker, the laid-off server in the restaurant industry, those kind of people, do you think they're going to start doing welding tomorrow morning? Mm. Uh, You know, they're not. We don't have a problem in the construction industry. We don't have a job shortage there. In fact, it's done pretty darn well coming out of uh, the lockdown. I mean, it's not right back to where it was, but it's really darn close. That isn't where we're suffering. We know the industries are suffering in. So an infrastructure project, first of all, it's going to take too long. Uh, Secondly, it's very debatable if it increases economic growth. It depends how efficiently and effectively it's been applied. Timing is very key. That's not going to help those industries. If we do an infrastructure project, it is not helping the hospitality industry. It's not helping the travel industry, the recreation industry. And we sort of let them get away with that. And I'm not blaming the liberals. I've seen every politician do that. I, I literally think it's because they don't have better ideas. And uh, that's, it's but, not the be-all to end-all, especially in this type of this type of downturn is very different than 0809. So we have different challenges here, and the same old solutions aren't going to work. You've been talking about the need for capital investment. Every time we've talked yeah. over the past six months, you've talked about that over and over and over again. I, well, that's first, first of all because I'm a repetitive, boring person, but it's also <laughs> yeah. the fundamental of any economic growth. I mean, it, it, it's as simple as saying if somebody isn't willing to invest in uh, productivity enhancing, uh, or they don't want to build a new store or a new manufacturing plant or do something that way, well, that's going to be the nature of economic growth. How do you get jobs mm-hmm. without that? And that is a huge concern. I'm glad you're bringing it up because I would assess what are we doing within this to say Canada's a great place? We've been slipping in our competitiveness rankings every year for several years. We know that other than residential real estate, we've had a, a significant decline in capital investment. In, in other words, in people saying, I want to put money into the Canadian economy. I think it's 11 out of 14 industry groups. So it's significant. 
what worries me in this is, keep in mind, they're still talking about raising Canada pension plan premiums on employers and employees in the beginning of January. Well, that's not helpful. They're still talking about increasing uh, carbon taxes. That's not helpful, especially, by the way, be happy you're not in British Columbia, where they originated the carbon tax, but it was uh, completely revenue neutral. In other words, what you paid in the carbon tax, you got back in a reduction in income tax. That's been eliminated by the BC NDP government. So it's it, they pay the highest, relatively speaking, they pay the most tax of anyone. Well, that's not helpful. Uh, so I'd like to see them talk about that. I'm not, uh, I'll wait and see. And the big thing we need is we need details here. And I'm not yeah. sure if we can even wait till November for a budget. And the budget doesn't necessarily give details. It just puts more numbers to these things. Uh, I mean, there are things I completely approve of. We need more childcare uh, spaces. And the reason is, then you're forcing one spouse, and it's usually women, aren't going to be able to go back into the workforce if we have problems, for example, in schools. And a problem, I don't think that's a serious problem. It could be simply a child gets sent home because they're showing some symptoms, or they have yeah. to stay home because they, well, someone's got to stay home with that child. So that's shown up as a serious issue, you know, obviously exacerbated when all the schools are closed, but so let's see the details on that, although that's going to have to have provincial cooperation. So there's just a lot of stuff here that I think people should be uh, saying, you know, one of those to be continued, stay tuned. I'm not sure oh. if anything was really accomplished today. Absolutely, it's a tea uh, to be continued. Uh, one of the things that jumped out at me, given our conversations that we've had over the past uh, couple of months, and and you you have reminded uh, me and uh, and and the listeners here at Six Thirty Chat in in Alberta, and you've said that the economy, um, the Canadian economy, has been somewhat mired in in mediocrity even before the pandemic. And the words that were used during the throne speech today were, and I wrote them down. It said we were in the best of fiscal positions. Uh, of our peers going yeah, into the pandemic. All, yeah. Uh, no, first Did you all, choke on your uh, coffee? <laughs> yeah, close, because first of all, that's very deceiving, because if you're going to look at government, you must look at provincial and federal debt combined. Because we're saying, for example, healthcare is an issue, obviously, during COVID pandemic. Well, who's responsible for delivery of healthcare? Well, it's the provinces. So mm-hmm. if they have to spend significantly more money well, of course, it gets added to their deficits. Uh, where the federal government, yes, they do contribute, for example, uh, to health care. Of course they do. But, and there'll be more money coming. But it still ultimately goes down to the provincial level, as is education. Uh, you can go to the municipal level for other services. So the federal government isn't really in the delivery of services business. So the condition, the financial conditions of the provinces is very important if you're going to look at the overall standing. Uh, secondly, uh, if, if people want to feel good about comparisons, then let's just say this. We're in way better shape than Venezuela. Like, who cares? <laughs> who cares what the comparative is? I mean, I can, I can drill down on that and start talking about it may come to that if you're borrowing money. And yes, your relative, uh, you know, if you're thinking about lending money to some sort of a Western sovereign nation, yes, that'll be important. Mm. But the way they use it, I think, is, is not the full story. And secondly, that's not really what's important here. Uh, the other thing is our economic growth, as you alluded to, was absolutely mediocre, including like zero percentage growth uh, a couple of months in the last six months of 2019 before COVID. And economic growth has not been a priority in this country. We do lots of stuff that we know going in is going to hurt economic growth, uh, starting with what we've done with the oil industry, 
when in fact the deputy minister Christopher Freeland says to the Financial Times in January that we can't even move the dial on climate change. So in other words, we're doing stuff that's costing us billions of dollars and we're not getting the, you know, the results. The cost-benefit analysis doesn't measure up. That's not an argument to say do nothing on climate change. It's an argument to do the stuff that works. And that wasn't one of them. But there's an example of, we didn't mind that. We had rail blockades, for example. Yeah, yep. And for a lot of people, that was okay with them. They didn't, that did not bother them. Holy fuck, the problems that called for, caused for industries like agriculture, for example, were huge. Uh, I'm just pointing out that for all the talk about the economy, uh, it is regularly. Anyone who's pushing higher taxes and more costly regulation, especially without a cost-benefit analysis done, is, is certainly not prioritizing economic growth. And you know, that's been a real challenge. So here we are in a pandemic. It exacerbates all those problems. We've been, you know, we talk about uh, that that deficit and and how big it is. And I think some of the latest numbers that federal deficit they're saying will hit about 343 billion this fiscal year. Credit rating agencies um, are are saying that they 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 view the lack to, to uh, lack of a plan to rein in spending as a major yeah. red flag. Uh, the parliamentary budget officer warning that um, the level of deficit is unsustainable if not rolled back in one or yeah. two years. Um, I mean that is. Um, if people aren't worried about that, then they should be. Well, that Ipsos poll we're talking about with global yesterday was, well, 55% of Canadians said the federal debt was too large. And mm-hmm. 78%, I think this is interesting, said 78% of which a good chunk were liberal voters said anybody they vote for in this coming election must present a reasonable plan to get back to a balanced budget in a timely manner. I'm just saying. So it is on people's radar, and it ranked, as I say, uh, past just the health issues of the pandemic. It was the next ranked third uh, in terms of concerns. Uh, But again, by the way, the deficit is, if we get under 350, I'm going to be, that'll be good. Isn't that sad to say, but that'll be good. We're going to be much more like 375, and then any cost they add on when they give us the budget about the programs we're talking about now. They're not included. So if they're going to give the provinces money for child care or pharma care or anything else care or the extended uh, you know, uh, help for individuals and businesses, that's not included in that the 343 budget number. So I think we're already at about two, uh, 375, and we're going to add on to that. So it's... It's, I mean, it's, it's, we can't even put it in any context that we've had before. It's so big. But Canadians are concerned about it. My, cons- uh, my um, frustration in hearing about that number is you've heard a lot uh, from different uh, people, and I'm talking economists. Uh, some of the academics have disappointed me by saying it's affordable. Well, first of all, what that means is people will be lend- willing to lend us the money. That's what affordable means in this context. Mm. And that means... The Bank of Canada, which already owns two-thirds of the federal debt and is buying $5 billion more per week, is going to continue. But what that suggests is that it forgets that there are risks to this. And the risks are, what about if the United States economy doesn't recover? Well, uh-huh. I tell you, our economy, our economy is not recovering with it. So that affects general revenues. What about if interest rates bounce up? And keep in mind, the only reason we have these record low rates is because the central banks are so active in that market. They are keeping the rates down. Normally, the rates would be much higher because of the increased risk in the environment. So we're assuming how long that goes. So my question about the 
and again, yes, I agree. We we can borrow right now, but it's the suggestion that there's no consequence or there is no no risk whatsoever is ridiculous. I mean, what are rates going to be in five years and in ten years? Yes, the bank's saying they're going to keep them low for several years, but what about fifteen and twenty years out there? I mean, really, are are the same people saying that ready to forecast rates in the year two thousand? 40 because that's what they're actually doing if that's going to be with us well past that we're never paying it back we're just servicing it so it's just not as simple as they're making out this is my complaint michael campbell the host of money talks right here on the chorus radio network always great to speak with you michael thanks for your insight let's do it again soon well i'm proving once again that not only am i repetitive and boring I don't even take a breath when I speak. (laughs) (laughs) Take care, Michael Campbell, this afternoon. You can find out uh, more of his thoughts at uh, mikesmoneytalks.ca.